Coast. Broadcasting live here on WBSM and on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com as well as at WBSM.com. And also streaming live on the Radio Pup app. If you are out and about on your Saturday night and you want to tune into the program, you can always do so by using the Radio Pup app. Or you can use the Ustream app as well, and you can follow the video there. So many ways to keep in tune with Spooky South Coast. And hello to everybody that listens via podcast. You don't know what you're missing uh, when you're on the live program. What do you need? The music? What? These? No, no, don't worry about that. Yeah, I can't. I can't hear you. Hold on. Try that now. I was gonna say they always fire off. There we so go. I was, gonna, I was gonna try to tell you to throw those down. Well, I'm gonna start putting <laughs> numbers on the microphone. We should. We really should. We should put some sort of flag system. <laughs> you would think I would know by this point, but no. No. Well, I mean, it's like they, they're it's always switching one, stuff two, up. And then that's three, but it's in the fourth position. Yep. I mean, I don't know, and I never understood why. Hmm. You know, the crane mic isn't two. Ah, whatever. WBSM is always on the cutting edge of uh, technology, so they're, the <laughs> they're they're always switching stuff up on us. So yeah, and if you look and if you watch the program each week on YouTube or on Spooky TV when it happens live, you can tell like each week we have to have different shots depending on what's going on. I'm pretty sure that we're stretching that camera cord to the point where it's probably going to break by the end of the night. Um, you might want to just maybe, maybe just scoot yourself over a little bit. Yeah. There we go. There we go. A little <laughs> yeah, just slack. a little slack makes yeah. me feel better. Uh, and speaking of slack, you'll have to cut us some slack because we were off the air last week uh, because we were at TowerCon, but we are so glad to be back here tonight. We talk about the paranormal each and every Saturday night except for last Saturday night because we were uh, involved with TowerCon weekend. Uh, Matt Moniz and myself were there both days, and we hung out with some of the uh, celebrities that were in attendance, and we were able to see some old friends, make some new ones, and then investigate the Lizzie Boyd in Bed and Breakfast as part of the Terracon event. And the investigations were very intimate. They were very fun. We had a small small group each night, you know, a nice small group and, and pretty good activity taking place. Yeah, and the people enjoyed themselves, and the house provided a little bit of uh, activity, which was nice. Yeah. Saturday night now, we went with some of the guys from the show Face Off on the Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah, the brothers. Garcia brothers. They came and uh, they decided that they wanted to check it out. You know, a lot of the celebrities, they wanted to go check it out, but they didn't want to miss the after After party, party. which, come on. You can go to an after party after any convention. (laughs) How often do you get to investigate the Lizzie Board in Bed and Breakfast? So they came with us, as well as a couple of Terracon volunteers and some people who purchased some tickets. And and that night was pretty pretty. Buzzing, you know, there, there was yeah. there was quite a bit of activity. We were having, uh, you know, a lot of footsteps, hearing a lot of sounds. Uh, I don't know if, you know, I don't know how the people felt about all the sounds that were going on and everything. But we knew they were legit because we knew that the only people that were there were was Leanne, and she left for a while. <laughs> she yeah. went out to dinner with some friends, uh, so we really did have the place all to ourselves. Uh, but it was. We we knew how legit it was. I don't know how much, you know, they believed it or not, but everybody came up to me the next morning and said what a great time they had and that they, you know, they were glad that they did it. And They were happy to be in the house and they thought the house was beautiful and the way it was set up and they were just happy to be in the historical place that it is, yeah. 
But sometimes things are happening, and, and we are able to understand the significance of what's going on better than some of the people who were there for the first time. Well, we're there all the time. We know the, the little ins and outs of it. And when it's going down, there's the possibility that things could worsen very quickly. And so that's always in the back of our minds, knowing that uh, sometimes the activity isn't always pleasant, we'll say. Yeah. And we got a little bit of that on Sunday night when we had we would decide to use the Ouija board because nobody would let us, Matt Costa, pull out the Ouija board on Saturday night. Oh, yeah. really? The people who were in attendance were like, no, we don't want that. Please don't pull that out. Really? And, th- and then they said no to the Ouija board, too. So the... Uh, <laughs> but we, we brought it out on Sunday night, and we were, were able to uh, have some pretty good stuff coming through that. And, again, that's something that's up to people if they want to believe it or not. Uh, there's the possibility when, when you bring it out, you know, that they're always going to think that it's me doing it. I'm usually suspicious as the other person I'm doing it with that might be doing it. Uh, but we were getting some pretty interesting results coming out of that. And uh, we were also using some of the apps that I use, including the Echo Vox and the Spirit Vox, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about later on with our guest, Danny Big Beard Roberge, later on. And uh, any relation, Matt Costa, by the uh, way? I don't know. I hope so. All right, we'll find we'll we'll find that out later on. Because I was thinking that I was like, I forgot to ask know, if there's like, any relation. I, I know it was Danny uh, Big Beard, but then I, I I saw him on Facebook and I was like, Robert's like, yeah, maybe. So we'll could be. We'll get to could the bottom be, of that, be. and uh, I'll I'll let him tell you where he's from <laughs> <laughs> because there's a connection there too. Uh, but we were using some of that stuff too, but we were getting a lot of stuff coming through the board. So the the people that were there just want to keep using the board, and we use it in a couple of different. Times uh, we we got the wife who was very reluctant to yes. try it. She got super into it by the end of the night. She's a lawyer, and and well, we don't hold that against her. True, <laughs> and she was able to uh, you know put her fears aside because it was her husband that really wanted to go. She likes horror movies and things like that, but she's never actually really wanted to experience it in real life. So the husband said, "Well, come on, we'll." do it we'll try it out and she was scared at first but by the end of the night she was all about everything until we went down to the basement <laughs> that's when she kind of got freaked out and we, we were we, we ended it a little bit early actually uh because of uh, how uncomfortable she felt but there was a lot of activity that night too during the course of the investigation got some good evps and uh, I meant to actually get those from you so that we could oh. play them on the show that would have made a lot more sense yeah uh but uh we we caught a few clips. Uh, one, you were just kind of teaching them how to do it. Yep. And then you ran it a couple other times. Uh, when we were, Actually, all, we ran it while we were doing the Ouija board, too. Yeah. So we'll get those uh, uploaded, and you'll be able to hear them. But uh, the more interesting experience happened, actually, after everybody had left. <laughs> Stephanie left early with her friend, Heather. They were there to, you know, Ste- Stephanie was investigating with us, and um, it was a long night, and... She's in the family way, so she was tired. She wanted to go home. And uh, they left uh, probably maybe two hours before we finished. Uh, and then the the guests left. Moniz and I have to lock the place up. Uh, Leanne was out in the barn. We assumed going to sleep because she was exhausted. Mm-hmm. She was barely staying awake uh, when we talked to her around 8 o'clock. So we're doing our usual shutdown routine. And, Matt, you've been there with us. Yep. You know you know that we just go room to room. We make sure all the lights are shut off, make sure we didn't leave anything behind. Right, or anybody. All right. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and Leanne told us to do something with the key uh, when we were done. So we lock everything up. 
we do what we had to do with the key, which now secures it so that we don't have access to it either. So we can't get back in. So I walk out. I look up. I see the lights on. Moniz looks up. He sees the lights on. He's like, I know I shut that light off. And I was like, yeah. I was up there after you when the light wasn't on. Right. Because I had to go back up because I left... um, I left my tablet up there. So I went back up there, and I didn't turn the light on. So and it was the bathroom light on the third floor. And I'm like, I'm not going to use that light if I go up there. I'm going to use the hallway light. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, all right, fine, man, whatever. Maybe one of us made a mistake. Leanne pops open the window from the barn. You guys left the light on. Oh, now i got to go downstairs because you guys already secured the key. And i got to go downstairs, and i got to open the door, and i got to go turn the light off. So she comes down. <laughs> and of course, if she had just said, I'm just going to leave that on and go to bed, <laughs> this never would have happened. But so she comes downstairs, she goes inside, and, and Moniz, you can help me remember this exactly. She yeah. goes inside. She unlocks the door, goes to acquire the key where we left it for mm-hmm. safekeeping. I run up to the third floor, shut off the light, physically shut the switch back off, run all the way back down to the first floor, come back out. And the two of you come out together, she yep. locks the door. Yep. And then as that happens, the uh, second, floor. second floor light goes on in Ab- Andrew and Abby's room. And I'm standing there just watching, and I see that light go on. And I'm assuming that maybe they turned on the staircase light or something, mm-hmm. and that that's what I'm seeing. But it's I can tell that it's not. So uh, I- I'm just standing there, and I'm assuming that they're going to shut that off as they come up. But then they come on. I'm like, you guys are... You know, the, the light's on in the other room. I'm like, no. And Leanne looks, and she's like, oh. So she unlocks goes. the door she Unlocks again. the door she's again. Like, Son of a boarded. <laughs> what the hell? She unlocks the door again. Moniz is standing next to me now. And <laughs> we watch as she turns that light off. As she comes out of the house and locks the door again, we both see that third floor bathroom light come on again. Yeah. Yeah, we physically watched it come <laughs> like, on. We just watch it come on. And we both start cracking up, and you can see from the from the parking lot that it's not the hallway light. It's not uh, another light being reflected in there from one of the other rooms. It's clearly that light in the ceiling. You can see that it's lit up. Right. So, uh, and it was funny because th- the first time when that first came on and Leanne was coming down, uh, we had asked her. Well, I had mentioned the I saw the curtain fluttering. Yeah. And we said, is the air conditioning on? And she said, not on the third floor. I'm not going to air condition the third floor if there's nobody in the house. So there were no windows open. Yep. There was no way for that curtain to be fluttering from any kind of breeze or anything. But it's an old house. It's probably drafty. We'll give that the benefit benefit of the doubt. When we saw that light turn on by itself, when there was definitely <laughs> nobody else in the house, that was, and we're just laughing at this point. And Leanne's like, oh, what did you do to my house? <laughs> she just wanted to go to sleep. <laughs> so finally she shuts that light off. So none of the other lights are on. She goes up into the barn. She goes to sleep. Moniz and I leave. I'm looking as we're driving by because I'm expecting one of the lights to pop on or something. Yep. But I don't see it. So I'm like, okay, cool. I drive home. Uh, I get to about New Bedford. When my phone starts blowing up, I get a text from Leanne. Light went back on. I'm just going to bed. I hate you. All right. <laughs> so, See what you do? Yeah. You just stir things up. At one point, the second floor and the third floor light came on, and then the third floor light went off as she's shutting off the second floor light. And there's no way to get to the second floor and third floor you know, that quickly. Well, that's what I was thinking when that light went on. That um, when I watched the the 
like on the third floor that second time, I was like, is she just messing with us at this point? But she was outside, and there's no way to turn that light on. Right. Even if it was the hallway light, there's no way to turn that light on because the third floor hallway light over the staircase is a separate switch. Totally separate. From the one that's downstairs for the hallway because it's two L-shaped hallways. When I went back in the second time, I checked the physical switch. The switch, it was flipped up in the on position. You had to... It had to be flipped up, and it's not like an electrical short would uh, do it. Mm-hmm. You know, so the phys- the physical switch was turned upward, and it's only that one switch that turns it on and off. So, and that was the first time that we've ever seen that happen. Yeah, but it's something that Heard I'm going to reports be- of it, but never right. physically seen it ourselves. And that's something that I'm going to be pushing to have happen again the next time that we go because it was just it was amazing, and. To know that it's taking place and there's nobody in the house. You know, this is one of those things that I know for sure that this was legitimate phenomenal. It had to have been paranormal because there was no normal explanation for it. So I post up about it on Facebook and somebody says, well, why didn't you take a video of it? Oh, all my stuff was packed away. So why didn't you pull out your phone? I was like, I'm not that smart. At that point, we were just laughing. And and you and I were actually, we, we were talking about it on the way home. Even if we had recorded it, who's going to believe it? Right. Because they're going to be like, oh, somebody was in the house flipping the switch. But we know that there was nobody in the house. And we know the we know the layout of the house. And we know that there's no way Leanne was flipping that switch. And uh, we know for sure that we both turned the light off. I mean, we knew for sure, but we were willing to allow the possibility yeah. that maybe one of us messed up. But no way. There was no way that we – I thought about it afterwards. It's like, I know I went up there to get my tablet. When all three of us are sitting out in a parking lot and the lights go back on, yeah. Yeah. So definitely a, a cool experience and a great night. And I, I didn't tell the people that were with us about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if they, like, maybe follow us on Facebook or Twitter or something and they saw it there. But I didn't I, – I was going to email them and let them know. But then I was like, you know what? They were talking about coming back and spending the night in the house and uh, and really – getting some time and getting the full historical tour and everything. I was like, I don't want to scare them from coming back. <laughs> we had just gotten the wife to, to open up to the idea of the paranormal, so we don't, want to, we don't want to scare her off right away. But other than that, too, the Terracon event itself was, uh, was phenomenal, great turnout, uh, some really interesting panel discussions. I got the chance to, well, I was supposed to moderate the Ghost Hunters panel on Saturday with Amy Bruni, Joe Chin, and Adam Berry, but when you have Adam Berry... And a live mic in the same room. Yeah. You, you don't need a moderator. Uh, they they did a fantastic job, and it was hilarious. You know, I was I was cracking up laughing, and everybody in the room was packed to the gills for them. Uh, and then on Sunday, I had the chance to moderate the Bridgewater Triangle panel uh, after they finished showing the film, which, by the way, won the Audience Award at Terracon. So congratulations oh, yeah. to Aaron and Manny for that. It was the audience favorite uh, of all the films that were shown uh, during the weekend. So the panel afterwards was pretty interesting, the Bridgewater Triangle panel, because, you know, we, we asked for some questions. Uh, you know, not a lot of hands went up. We started having some discussion amongst ourselves, and then people started to feel a little bit more comfortable. And we had a gentleman actually raise his hand and share an experience that he had. And uh, he was somebody who had never told this story and never, never told anybody about his interest in the paranormal at all. And, and he shared this experience with us that was just incredible. Uh, being a police officer as well, so I mean, this guy's trained to observe things, and it unnerved him. So, yeah, it was nice to have him come up afterwards and share a little bit more detail. 
And that's one of the things I think about this film as it's being shown in more and more places is it's making people realize that, okay, if there can be this high concentration of activity in a place like the Bridgewater Triangle, then certainly it's believable that this one little incident happened to me in my home. And it's making people more likely to, to discuss it. And now if you haven't seen the film yet, and we've been telling you all the different ways that you can, from the various screenings uh, to being able to order it on demand via the Internet and watching it on your computer. Well, now you can do it the good old-fashioned way. You can order the DVD or the Blu-ray from the website, thebridgewatertriangledocumentary.com. Uh, I got the Blu-ray. I haven't had a chance to sit down and watch it yet because of my whole jury duty week. But uh, I'm hoping to sit down and watch it maybe tomorrow uh, for Father's Day. You know, my wife and son haven't seen it yet, so I'd like to have the chance to show them. And it just, it's taking off even bigger than ever. Uh, people were snatching up the DVDs and Blu-rays. People were buying the T-shirts. You said you saw, you bumped into somebody during the week this week that had yeah. it on? Yeah, well, in Middleborough, riding a bicycle down uh, 105. It was like big old Bridgewater Triangle T-shirt. That wasn't Joe DeAndrean? No. <laughs> You would have known if it was Yeah, I, I know, Joe. So you can get your DVD, your Blu-ray, your T-shirt, whatever, from the Bridgewater Triangle documentary.com. And uh, also, we want to announce that we are officially sold out on our Legend Trips event to the Murdoch Whitney House in Winchenden, Massachusetts, on July 12th. Uh, that will be our big Dustin Parry birthday celebration. He'll be there with us. Those tickets have been sold out. Now we are moving on to the next one, which we announced today. We've actually been selling it for a few days in pre-sale, but uh, this this was the first public announcement of it this morning when I had a representative uh, from Edaville Railroad, I'm sorry, Edaville USA, here with me this morning. Jared Clemens from Edaville USA was here to talk about some of their upcoming things that they have going on all summer long, and one of the things that will be happening this summer will be on August 30th. We will have our next Legend Trips event at Edaville, USA. Uh, for anybody who's ever been there and taken that train ride in the woods during the holiday season when it's dark, even if it's you know, 4.30, 5 o'clock in the afternoon, it's dark by that point in December, and you're out there riding the train and seeing all these lights, sometimes you get a feeling. You know, when you're out there in the woods of Carver, when you're out there on the bogs, things seem a little creepy. And uh, I actually had the opportunity to participate in the ghost train event that they did a few years ago. And they don't need to add any spookiness <laughs> to that ride. Uh, when you're out there and there is no Christmas lights lit up and there's no Christmas music playing, and you're just out there in the woods on this train slowly, and I'm talking slowly, going through the woods of Carver, you can definitely feel that there's something out there. Uh, Moniz, I know that you've been going to Edaville even longer than I have. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, have you ever gotten that kind of a vibe or had any experiences there? Actually, yeah, uh, many, many years ago when I was about nine, ten, uh, my parents took me out and we were traveling through the, uh, the railroad that goes around, around the bog. And it was actually in one of the cars. And a lot of people go, you know, to the front, front end of the train. I decided I was going to head to the back end just because I could, and, you know, being adventurous and, the caboose car was, you know, at the, obviously at the back, and I was hanging out there, and I'm pretty much the only person by my, you know, in the in the thing myself, and I remember it feeling very, very, very closed and claustrophobic, even though it's just, you know, a caboose. It's it's a, small, yeah, it's yeah. small anyway. Yeah. But it was still large enough that, you know, you have plenty of room. But yeah, it still fits about 20 people in there. Yeah. 
and it was dark. They didn't have any. They had like one one little light on in in the thing, and I remember this like foreboding feeling, and I was like, this doesn't feel very Christmassy back here. So I pulled it the hell out of there. See, I'm not buying that story for the simple reason of I tried for 35 years to get the caboose and I never did. <laughs> I actually got the caboose for the first time last year, uh, which was and that's because we were the first people waiting for the next train. And for some reason, that's where everybody wants to go. Uh, when that's I was true. there, the, everybody was headed up to the uh, front end. Sure, yeah. Well, that's also where they had Santa. And also, um, you know, back then, as you said, it wasn't like it is now where no, the, no. every car is fully illuminated and they're all heated. Yeah. You know, back no. then you were freezing your, your ass, ass off if you were oh, sitting yeah. in the caboose. <laughs> And they had those lights that would, um, I mean, they only really ran once the train got up and running. You know, right. that's what, what helped bring them into brightness. And Yeah, uh, I didn't realize they made a four-watt bulb. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, but that was the idea is you had to have the light low so you could look out the window right. and see, see all the lights on display. Uh, I mean, I've been going there for a long time, and I would go there when the park was closed. Um, I never went into the park itself. I never broke the law and trespassed, but I would take the rides. Uh, no, take the rides. I would take a ride and take the roads. Mm-hmm. I would uh, I would go down there, and I would go up uh, Eda Avenue, and I would go wherever I could. And then when I got to a gate, I would turn around. I'd go back. I'd find another road. I'd go down that until I couldn't go any further. Um, and my father-in-law was actually one of the owners at the time, so I was – I always had that in my back pocket, so if anything, oh, my father-in-law is one of the owners. You can call him. He'll say it's okay for me to be here, even though he probably would have told me, what are you doing there? But um, you just always got that feeling. And it's a great place. When the park is up and running, it's a happy place, and everybody has a great time. But then when everybody goes home and the lights are all off, and I've talked to some of the employees over the last few weeks, and they'll tell you that there's places that they don't want to go in that park, and there's been rumors for years about certain stories uh, about the park one of them being that uh, i'm, I'm going to get in trouble if i tell this story on the air because the family doesn't like people to talk about this but lsd atwood who is the founder of edaville he owned the cranberry bogs he owned the cranberry company that ran from those bogs and he built the railroad to help with his cranberry business and also because he thought it would be a good way to get people out and about there used to be a there was a little lake out there where people could go and have yeah. a picnic and uh, so that's what they would do with the train is they'd cart people back and forth as well as cranberries and and equipment and things like that so he bought this narrow gauge railroad from maine and he brought it down and he worked there many long hours and he was there one night in the the museum building now and the furnace went out and he went downstairs to fix it and it exploded and he died and now people say that his spirit roams that building. His wife, Althea, is seen roaming the grounds in her wedding dress, pining for Ellis. Uh, there's the house across the street, which has one confirmed suicide having taken place in it, and uh, rumors that there had been other spirits that haunted as well. We're actually going to get to investigate that house, nice. which has never happened before because there was always people living in it. But we're going to have the opportunity to go into that house. We're going to go into the museum building. We're going to investigate the midway where all the rides are. Those rides all came from different amusement parks that are now defunct. And they kept the – Edavilles tried to keep those rides alive by bringing them there. And each one of those has its own stories and its own energies and its own spirits attached to them. Uh, so you'll be able to check those out as well. And we're going to be able – you know, I'm, I'm 
going to talk Edaville into letting us get right up close and personal with that stuff, too. Again, safety rules being what yeah. they are and, and, and uh, legalities being what they are, that might be limiting in some way. But, you know, why not crawl up on the carousel and put a tape recorder on there and see what you get? Because people always assume that when you're dealing with a haunting, that you're dealing with something negative and that you're dealing with something scary and that you're dealing with something dark or, or something that it has unresolved business or what have you. But a haunting can be a positive thing, too. A haunting can be a happy thing. The energy that was expelled by people at these parks as they're having a good time, that energy is just as strong as any other tragedy that may have happened as well. And so that could be imprinted upon these rides, could be imprinted upon this land. Uh, so that is something that I'm interested in exploring a little bit more when we have this event. It's happening August 30th at Edaville, USA. It's in Carver, Massachusetts. We're going to be working out a deal. So that people can uh, get a room for a cheap rate in the area. There's a few hotels. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Carver, Massachusetts, it's located right next to Plymouth. So if you're going to come out for the weekend and it's August 30th and everything's going in full swing, you can come out, hang out with us at Legend Trips on Saturday night, then spend Sunday in Plymouth. You can do the Mayflower. You can do Plymouth Plantation. Uh, maybe I can even contact the Plymouth Chamber of Con- uh, the uh, Plymouth Chamber of Tourism uh, and see if we can get them to help us work out a deal for people that might want to do some of that stuff as well. Uh, and I know that uh, we will be able to also offer a deal for the park, Edaville itself. If you want to come a little bit early and spend the day at Edaville Railroad, we can get you a discount uh, on the actual the actual park admission. So. Normally, they would give us a little bit more of a discount, but because it's a day out with Thomas, the tank engine that day, mm-hmm. and they have the Thomas train and all the Thomas stuff going on, uh, they really can't give us too big of a discount, so we'll be able to get you $2 off uh, a regular admission, which... That's, that's not bad. Right. And the price, it's only $20 to get into the park anyway right. Right. for any of their uh, weekend events. So, mm-hmm. And our ticket for Legend Trips is $99. That will include pizza, dinner, of mm-hmm. course. Uh, as we always do, snacks and drinks throughout the course of the night. I, I used to, I worked I worked a season there, and it's it's not it's not a bad park actually. I was gonna so, I was gonna yeah. throw it over to you, yeah. and ask you, because you've been there when we haven't I, been. You've been there yeah. when the park is closed. Yeah, I've been down there when when all the lights were off, and I've never experienced anything. But it definitely does have like a Scooby Doo vibe when you're <laughs> when you're walking through there. No, old, they- no old man withers, but. Uh, um, Gotcha. <laughs> now, are they going to uh, fire up the trains for us during the night? Or? We're w- working on that. Are the the trains are uh, they're not necessarily new either. They're they're kind of like in, from the museum. Well, they, right? Yeah, they have antique trains, and so they they could have some sort of residual. Right, the I believe well. these trains have come from Maine too, because what happened was when Edaville shut down years ago, that was the first thing that they sold off. Okay, and they haven't been able to get everything back that they used to have but they're working on slowly either reacquiring it or right. you know building a, a facsimile or even going in a new direction in some cases uh, for example all those animatronic figures that are you know the Santa Claus and the mm-hmm. bathtub and all that kind of stuff a lot of those were purchased by people who came and bought them to put them in their yards and there's a gentleman in Sandwich who lives on Route 3A who has a number of those that he puts out in his yard. There was another gentleman who lived in Lakeville who has an entire village built in his backyard. He has some of those Edaville uh, old displays, but he's also – because I think he he's either very sick or he's already passed away. And the family has actually boarded that up, and you can't get into it anymore. 
but uh, back in you know the early 2000s, they had that stuff on display. So a lot of that is still alive, but you're right. A lot of the stuff is right. coming from other places and, and bringing its own attachments with it. Uh, I, I just – it must have been so awesome to be there after hours. It is kind of cool. Did you I mean, ever get to? Did you ever get to go anywhere? Well, I mean, you're, you're working, so it's like that. right. But when you're done working, do you ever like walk out, walk down the tracks or anything? And um, not too much. I mean, we got to uh, take a take a little break, and like you could go and like take a little spin on the tilt the whirl or whatever, which is fun. And uh, to Moniz's point about working on the train, uh, we are um, discussing that. But it's it's not cheap. To get the train for that, if we can sell enough tickets, we'll we'll splurge on the train ride. But it's not cheap. And he, the yeah. other issue is because will we it's at a, least be able to go onto the train? It doesn't have to go down the track. I think that they. I don't know exactly where they keep the trains when it's closed down. Uh, they do have trains around the grounds so that you can climb on. Yeah, and, yeah. I know they have a couple of engines as well. They have a they have a real steam engine, and then they have a electric engine that they they use. Uh, like during the off season. Yeah, Thomas is there that weekend, which may be part of the issue. Yeah. Uh, because well, the, the the steam engine is really expensive to run because it runs on coal. I yeah. think. Right. So it's that's it's, that's it's, the train that's the train that I want. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what runs on the weekends. They run the the steam yeah, yeah, engine yeah. on the weekends. So that's but that's what I want if we can pull it off. But uh, either the, way, I think they're all there. The number of tickets that we'd have to sell. You know, we, we if we can reach a maximum sellout, I think we can probably pull it off. Again, though, that's dependent on Edaville and what they can do with Thomas being there. Because I don't know how I don't know if they take Thomas off the tracks, if they leave him on the tracks for the Sunday crowd. I don't know exactly what the logistics are of that. But either way, we'll find out and we will let you know. Those tickets are available by going to legendtrips.com. If you go to that page right at the beginning, you will see the link to our event at Edaville Railroad coming up, Edaville USA, I'm sorry, coming up on August 30th. You can purchase your tickets now. They are going fast. Uh, we're, we're about a quarter of the way sold out just from pre-sale. So if you are thinking about going, you want to make sure that you grab those tickets pretty quickly. This is something that not only have paranormal people been wanting to get to, but... quarter of the way and you just put it up today? Uh, we put, no, the pre-sale started on Thursday. So, Still? But, yeah. That's how it goes, man. The pre-sales are no joke, and you can get involved with the pre-sales, too. If you have never even been to one of our events, you can still get on the list to get first access at those tickets by going to legendtrips.com and signing up for the mailing list. Also, if you are listening and you just want to go to Edaville and check it out and experience the park, and again, there's so many things going on throughout the course of the summer. It's all up on edaville.com. If you want to go... And you want to get a great deal. If you go to WBSM.com and you click on the Seize the Deal tab at the very top, little tab at the top, click on Seize the Deal, you'll be able to buy those $20 tickets that I talked about for just $10. So you'll be able to go and take the family for half as much as you normally would. And the park is already significantly cheaper than other parks around. It's $20 to get in when most parks charge you at least twice that just to walk through the door. And Matt, Costa, you can attest to the fact that the food there is very reasonable. You know, it's not like you're going to go and you're going to oh, get whacked right, right. for $15 for chicken finger and fries. It's not bad. It's not bad stuff. And I can tell you that there's actually a whole bunch of new food 
being introduced this year, including an emphasis on some healthier stuff instead of just the regular park fare. I know, I know. (laughs) You'll be able to get some wraps and some salads and things like that. That's good. And, of course, they always have the barbecue pit. Did you ever get to work the barbecue pit? Um, no, but I heard it was very good. It was very good. They had lots of good stuff down there. Every year I want to get the barbecue pit, but my son's like, no, I want to get chicken fingers inside. Yeah. So well, we end up going with what he wants. But. <laughs> and uh, and they also have, they built last year, they added a new fried dough stand. The, oh, the best fried dough excellent. ever. I know they had uh, they had some really uh, um, great cider donuts. Yeah. They had a guy making them there. Like... Like, literally frying them in front mm. of you. A, big, and, a bakery in Plymouth, I think. And the uh, Edaville's the first place I ever had a fried Oreo. Really? Like, the dipped in chocolate. Oh, and That's like... Ooh. Then dipped in the flour and... You can... I can eat, like, one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, That's all you can eat. And then yeah. they put the whipped cream on them and everything, too, so it gets out of control. Uh. And uh, the best part about it, too, is when we're there... You know, if you if you get there a little bit early and you you go in there and you enjoy the park and you pay that park admission to get in first, you can load up on all that stuff, and we'll still have cold pizza for you around eleven thirty <laughs> when we take the break. Yeah, yeah. So you'll you won't go hungry that night, that's for sure. Nothing like cold pizza. Well, there's hot pizza. I guess so, but I think we're I think we're going to be getting Wareham House of Pizza pizza that Hopefully, night too. Maybe. It depends. Depending on what goes on, it's 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 a busy weekend for them. That's true. But we'll 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 be sure that we have. Uh, you'll get fed either way, <laughs> so you can get those tickets again from Legend Trips. There's a lot of stuff that's com. up in the air. Like, it's still two months away. It is. I mean, but uh, they should people shouldn't wait for tickets because those are going to go quickly. Um, Moni's getting back to Terracon. You had a chance more than I, because I was running around doing a bunch of things. You had a chance more than I did to talk to some of the celebrity guests and and uh, to discuss things with them. Uh, who who impressed you over the weekend as being just a really nice person? D. Williams, D. Wallace, D. Wallace. Sorry, everybody was talking about what a sweetheart she was. Yeah, she really down to earth, really nice lady. Um, I didn't realize that you know she was into you know. Doing horror movies, but she's still, let's call it paranoid of the paranormal. You know, it's like, but I guess that's what happens when you need to make a buck. You know, you, you take the roles that come to you. But uh, she was really nice, nice lady. And she's actually going to be joining us uh, on an upcoming program. She now works in kind of the you know the medical physical metaphysical realm. Uh, she has uh, a lot of self help work that she does and. Uh, some self-empowerment work that she does. So she's going to be joining us to talk about that as well as her work in Hollywood as well. Uh, and I remember her being on the, the Lassie show that came out in the 80s. They revived Lassie. Yeah. And uh, she actually had the chance to, to work with, with John Provost. So I had mentioned something about seeing D. Wallace and John Provost is on my Facebook. Don't ask me why. I got a lot of weird old TV, <laughs> TV people on my Facebook. And, and he's like, oh, tell her I said hi. Like, Will do. And she really was just a very nice person. Um, Everybody said that Lita Ford was fantastic. Yeah, I I got a chance to talk to her, and I was like, oh, you worked with a friend of mine. And because, as you know, I worked with Stet for a while and stuff like that. And she had a lot of nice things to say about working with him and stuff like that. And she missed, you know, that kind of rock and roll camaraderie. But she was very busy. People lined up around the corner for, you know, pitches with her. And, you know, some of the... 
it's a little bit different than it was. Like even at Rhode Island Comic Con last November, you know, you could walk by the table, you could take pictures of people. Now a lot of them don't want you to do that. You yeah. know, it's like you can't take a picture unless you're paying for it. And uh, it's funny to see the signs. You know, twenty five dollars for a picture, ten dollars for a selfie. So it's twenty five dollars for them to take a picture of you. But if you want to take a picture like with your cell phone, it's ten dollars. So that's a little. Yeah. Just goes to show you how much that uh, modern technology is changing things now. You know, it's not like you could walk up to some, And I think probably my highlight of the weekend, I got the chance to, because I was running folks up and down through the back way to get them up to the panel discussions on the top floor. So I ran into Linda Blair in the hallway, mm-hmm. in the kitchen. That's scary. Right. That was, <laughs> she, she was very nice. Very short, too. I wasn't going yeah. to be so... I knew she was on the smallest side. She was like crab walking through the... She was not crab walking, no. But we were we were in the kitchen, and I she walked by, and I turned to who was with me and said, well, I hope they're not serving pea soup up here today. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then uh, I also had the chance to run into, in the hallway, uh, WWE superstar, the Demon Kane. Ah. Nice. As I was coming out of the elevator, I believe I was with you guys for the Bridgewater Triangle. Yeah. Thing and that's when we saw him. I was like, "Well, and he is definitely taller." Although John Brightman was arguing that he might not be as tall as he's billed because yeah, he was about the same height as Brightman. So yeah, but I said, "Well, you know, he does wear lifts in the ring. <laughs> Those boots that he wears do have like a three-inch heel uh, on them." The other person I enjoyed hanging out with was uh, D. Schneider. Uh, how was he? I didn't get a chance to talk to him. Uh, I was walking around with him for about. 20 minutes we were chatting back and forth about music and stuff like that because he knows uncle roger and stuff oh, yeah. like that so we were walking around looking at all of the uh the vendors and stuff like that and he's actually a very intelligent guy most people don't realize he's actually got a brain oh yeah no he's he's a, a hell of a guy and if you ever listen to his radio show or see some of the other projects that he does in addition to twisted sister i mean he's a he's a renaissance man uh, and of course, speaking of Uncle Roger, the, the pro wrestlers were running around yeah. in full glory. Uh, Matt, do you remember a guy from a few years ago, the Boogeyman? I do, I do. The red guy that would eat the worms uh, yeah. and have the yeah. busted clock. <laughs> he was running around in full makeup and sneaking up on people and grabbing them. And, and uh, at one point, he snuck up on Tiffany. Really? Tiffany awesome. Rice uh, was yeah. standing there, and, and the Boogeyman like is like shh. And he just sneaks up behind her and grabs her. And then she's like, oh, my God, can I get a picture with you? <laughs> <laughs> and so then I took pictures of uh, of Tiffany and Stephanie with uh, with the boogeyman. So. That's great. Yeah. And he was a really nice guy. He was cool. Um, Charles Wright was there. He played Papa Shango and the Godfather. So he was supposed to be the Godfather one day and Papa Shango the next day or vice versa. And instead, he, he did both characters both days. Nice. nice. He actually stopped, took a break, went and did the makeup, came out. Then went out, put on the pimp suit, came back out. So it was, it was really nice of him to do all that. And um, Scotty Too Hardy was unable to make it. And one of the guys from Grimm was unable to make it. They were both supposed to be there both days, uh, but only Russell Hornsby could make it the second day. And uh, he sent his apologies for his co-star, but everybody was still thrilled to meet them. Uh, of course, seeing Kane Hodder running around everywhere. Yeah, uh, he's always a fun guy. And what's funny about him is I love how he walks around with that intense look on his face, like he's going to just scare the crap out of everybody and doesn't want anybody to talk to him. Uh, but then you go up there and start talking to him. He's just the nicest yep. guy. Uh, he, so he was running around. Uh, Always very self-deprecating. At Tony Moran, sitting right near him. And, yep. you know, just imagine being in that corner of the room for all weekend. Right. Uh, so many things going on. So we will uh, we'll be. What was with the, uh, the Jaws props? 
Did you guys get to see that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah they were they were in the did middle they have of the, the. Did they have Bruce? They had the head. head. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't the entire shark. So at least you got head. to like stick your head in the if you wanted to. Mouth. Yeah. For five dollars, you could. Five dollars. I yeah. know. And they also I had Audrey it. from Little it. Shop of Horrors. Oh, nice. But that wasn't the real Audrey. That was like a. It was from the guy yeah. who created it. Yeah. But it was a replica, right. and it was it was like soft. Oh, okay. It wasn't like rubber, like the one. Well, I know in the movie. at Comic Con they did uh, like the job of the hut thing, but right. it was like. You and they had the giant rancor. It was like five. It was a five dollar donation to the Children's Hospital, I think. So was it? The I same, think these were straight out charges. I think. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. But uh, right next to it, they had plant food costs a lot, <laughs> or ham- hamburger, or whatever you feed it. Uh, your enemies. <laughs> There's actually a picture out there floating around of Kira sitting in the middle of Audrey. Oh yeah, yeah. So nice. that was pretty funny. So you chopping? I know. I wanted. To, I just wanted to basically recreate the entire Little Shop of Horrors movie, uh, but I didn't. So we had to dress up as the dentist. I would have, but I didn't. I didn't think to dress up as anybody. Oh. I was thinking that I would dress up as Matt Costa, but somebody did like, that already know, at Comic Con. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he cut his hair too. Maybe. But wait, did you already uh, have the haircut when that happened? I hate that guy. <laughs> I don't know. No, you didn't. I don't think you did. So he must have had long hair, yeah. too. So I wonder if he cut I his. I think I did. I think I destroyed him. Because he was a spitting image of you. It was, yeah. it was crazy. All right, why don't we take a break? Coming up a little bit later on, uh, we will be joined by our guest, Danny, Big Bur- Danny Bigbeard Roberge. He'll be talking with us. His beard is big, too. Mm-hmm. He'll be talking with us about some of his apps. And you can go to the App Store uh, for whatever device you have, and you can download them while we're talking about them. And I know that folks are out there investigating with them tonight. Uh, a lot of the folks who come to our Legend Trips event, when they see me using them, they immediately download them. And it's great because... It's the it's something that you can bring with you that you didn't even realize that you brought with you. So instead of bogging yourself down with 45 different devices and you know needing a, a bandolier to carry them all around, you can just keep them all on your phone or on your tablet or whatever you want to use and uh, and just get out there and do the investigation. So we'll talk to him about that. We'll talk to him about how he creates these and, and how he's put them to work out in the field. Uh, we'll also take your stories as well. If you've had any experiences with those apps and you want to share with us some of your experiences, you can give us a call, 508 508- Nine nine six zero five hundred eight seven seven nine nine six fourteen twenty, and uh, again we'll we'll let you know a little bit later on uh, what's going on in the upcoming weeks. I know that we have uh, Nicole Stevens will be joining us yep. next month. Uh, yep, and uh, July nineteenth. In August we'll have Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer. Yep, he'll be joining us. Uh, but I think next Saturday I think I'm going to take the day off. Okay. I have to talk to Stephanie and see if she can step in and host, but. It's my son's birthday, so I think we're going to go do we'll something do for it. his birthday. Yeah, I'm, th- I'm thinking that I'll take him to a not-haunted amusement park or something. Mm-hmm. We haven't decided yet what we're going to do. There's a lot of stuff on the table. He doesn't like doing ghost stuff. What so. about Water Whiz? We do that anyway. He goes with my uh, my whole family, gets the buy one, get yeah. one tickets. So he's going to go and do that eventually anyway this summer. And uh, you know, there's usually quite a few things that we try to hit up over the summer as part of our regular summer routine. So we want to take him somewhere he's never been before. I'm thinking Canopy Lake. Because he's been to Six Flags. He hasn't been to Canopy Lake. All right, so we will take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk some more. And then coming up in the next hour, we'll have Danny Bigbeard Roberge here with us. You can email any questions that you have for him. Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. You can tweet them to us at SpookySC. But then again, there's a good old-fashioned way. You can just call in 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. Back in a moment with more Spooky South Coast here on WBSM. Ladies. 
here along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moneen. Stephanie Burke has the night off tonight. So I wanted to ask you guys about this, uh, and, and we're not going to do this in the weekend weird format because of what happened. It's a little bit more serious uh, than something that we would normally make light of. But I want to ask you about this whole Slenderman thing. Uh, and I know that Matt Costa, you've been posting the stories up online yeah, on the bit. Spooky South Coast page and on the Twitter account. and uh, But basically, there was a, a stabbing that took place, right, that was done up as an offering to Slenderman, who's not even a real... Yeah, I think it was like... Um Two teenage girls. Yes. Who and were, were uh, making a sacrifice to? Basically a, 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 a legend, a, a made-up story. From this yep. guy uh, who made up the story of Slender Man in 1995. It was, it was basically created as an internet thing. Yes. Uh, the idea being that uh, they wanted them to create an urban legend. And so that was what came about. And now it's led to the point where there, there are actual sightings of people uh, from people who say that they've seen this Slenderman right. character lo- you know, lurking about in the woods. And when you look at the design of how it was created, it's There's easy. There's also video, right. supposedly. I actually got... Um, uh, when when I first heard about it, I, I thought it was like a legitimate story, a legitimate legend. Then I sure. did a little more research and found out that it was actually... This guy who just kind of wrote the story about it, and then he he photoshopped like this this pit, a couple of pictures to go along with the story, made up a, like a news thing about it, all for this one website that was kind of make doing like a contest for right it. something awful yeah. dot com right, right. So, so it's and it's only this so, I mean, I contest got, I got duped, but I mean like. I mean, I did my research afterwards, but like a, a 12, 13 year old, fourteen year old, probably. Well, well, here's know, here's the thing. It, it, it was created in 2009. So, first of all, for for that okay. much of a legend to develop in such a short amount of time is pretty impressive. But also, you know, that was five years ago. So these 13 year olds were what eight years old back then. They right. probably weren't using the internet. So they probably have grown up in a time when all they see is the reports and they don't know that true history. Uh, so the I mean, the fact that, uh, you know, we're, we're, we have, first of all, you're whacked if you're 12 years old and you're stabbing another girl because you want to become oh, yeah. the proxy of Slenderman. So that's, you're already tapped. Uh, there's also, uh, other cases though that have popped up as a result of it. Uh, in Cincinnati, there was a mother who believed that her child's Slenderman obsession caused her child to attack her mother. Uh, and then there was a neighbor who uh, in Las Vegas uh, who said that their neighbor used to dress up as Slenderman before he killed two police officers and a civilian. Hmm. So there's all kinds of things that are happening out there that are being attributed to this obsession that people seem to have with a completely fictional urban legend. Well, look at uh, – here's a good example. The movie Candyman. Mm-hmm. Okay. A lot of people started believing that, you know, the Candyman – person was uh, uh, based in real life and stuff like that, and it, it, that took off. But what's interesting about that is that there are some people who still insist that there is truth to that story, that uh, that Clive Barker actually stole that story from an actual urban legend that exists in Chicago. So this, that story has been kind of told both ways. Yeah. Uh, at least with Slenderman, we have that documentation, so there is no doubt of where it was created. I mean, we, I, I believe that Candyman was just a completely f- fictitious idea yeah. too, but it's, it's enough that it's gotten those legs over the years. Granted, may have little bits of it probably dragged from, you know, 
It's, yeah, it's yeah. kind of an amalgamation of other other legends too. But but this character seems to be uh, something that's taking off, and that just goes. You know, people think I'm crazy all the time when I say that I think most of the ghosts that we investigate for are ones that we've created on our own. That they're thought forms that we've created by thinking that a place is haunted, uh, and then they're like, you know, that that can't happen. That but it it does. You know, here we have a, a, a urban legend, a, a story, a character that was completely made up, and he's terrorizing people legitimately. Or people are legitimately terrorized by him either way, however you want to look at it. But uh, it's definitely something that we'll keep following along. And I've had people ask me if we can do an entire story on an uh, entire episode on it. And I just, I don't know if we can. I don't know if there's same, enough same there. Way. I don't know. Do you think it's too uh, too soon? No, no. I mean, I think that it's it's something that we, we need to address and need to cover. But I just don't know if there's enough to yeah. it. Just for the simple fact of putting out the truth. You know, so it prevents things like but that even from then, happening again. You know how it goes when this starts happening. Even that won't be enough to dispel uh, the rumors. You know, when when the when the legend becomes fact, print the legend. And I think that that's right. that's the case with this for sure. And uh, I, I'm sure that we'll have more attention paid to Slenderman now that these stories have hit yeah. the newswire. I, I kind of feel bad for the uh, the the creator of this legend because I mean, like, I don't think he kind of realized how far. It would go. Yeah, he right. didn't intend you for know. the end results. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we'll keep up to date with that story. Uh, we do have to take a break for the news. When we come back on the other side, we'll be joined by our guest tonight, Danny Bigbeard Roberge. We'll talk about some of his apps that he's created. You know, the Spirit Vox, the Echo Vox. You probably have them on your phone or on your tablet. You've probably even used them. So you can let us know about that. We'll talk with Danny in just a bit. Coming back with more Spooky South Coast. Back, our number two of Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz. Stephanie Burke is off tonight. She'll be back with us next week. Just want to let everybody know one quick thing, too, before we get into our discussion with our guest, Danny Bigbeard Roberge. If you would like to watch a live ghost hunt happening tonight, immediately following Spooky South Coast. It's actually going on right now, but you're watching Spooky South Coast right now on Spooky TV. Uh, but if you want to check out a live ghost hunt afterwards, just go to the Wheatlands Plantation Facebook page. That's Wheatlands, W-H-E-A-T-L-A-N-D-S. Wheatlands Facebook page. Hit the Ustream channel, and it'll take you right to the live stream, so you'll be able to watch the ghost hunt that's going on there. Uh, I've done a lot of research into Wheatlands over the last few months and uh, been talking with the owners uh, including Richard who let us know about the live ghost hunt tonight so and uh, as well as a number of paranormal investigators who live there locally and have been checking it out can't tell you why I've been researching it but you'll find out in the next few months uh, but if you want to see what goes on with Wheatlands and simply go to their Facebook page hit the Ustream button and you'll know what's going on all right. Now, let's get right into the discussion with tonight's guest. You know him if you are a paranormal investigator. You've probably talked with him on Twitter. Uh, maybe you've even debated him on Twitter. That happens from time to time. Uh, he's the creator of many apps under his company, Big Beard Studios, including the Spirit Vox and the Echo Vox. We'll bring him on right now. Ladies and gentlemen, we have joining us Danny Big Beard Roberge. How are you, Danny? 
Good. How are you? Oh, we are spectacular, as we say here. Good. Thanks for having me. Now we got to get this out of the way first because my co-host Matt Costa, he's related to a lot of Roberges, and you're you're pretty local, right? I don't know if you want to give away where you live on the air. Yeah, I don't know, man. No, I'm in Nashua, New Hampshire. Yeah. So see, he's he's not that far. So I don't know, Costa. Sorry, I put up the wrong one. Okay. <laughs> All the uh, the Roberges I know are uh, from Framingham. Framingham. Oh, okay. So. You're not in any relation to the Framingham ones, are you? You know, I guess if you go back far enough, right? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? So I first came across your work uh, a couple of years ago, uh, and back then the SV1 Spirit Vox was still the original app that uh, that you were out there uh, discussing all the time, and, and mm-hmm. that was something that already got a lot of attention. And I know that in recent years, the Echo Vox has become kind of the go-to device for a lot of paranormal investigators. What what made you start putting together all of these apps? Um, kind of out of a... Uh, it's kind of a long story, but to make it short would be... I just kind of saw a lot of people using the. Um, I've always been interested in, the, in that type of communication, as far as uh, radios, ITC, EVP kind of uh, phenomenon. And I thought I, I kind of think that ghost boxes and uh, spirit boxes. I, I think they're they work, but I think they're flawed. They, a lot of uh, radio interference over them. So when I hear a ghost box session, I hear. Um, radio DJs and uh, Elton John songs, you know, so um, I, I wanted to take that out of it, you know, it's the same idea as using random noise and and so on in, instead of uh, something radio-based, uh, and uh, so, so it kind of went with that, you know, to take that whole question out of it. And so what was involved then with uh, being able to do that? I mean, I can imagine that you're using somewhat of what's been done before as a template, but you want to eliminate those things. So you have an idea of how you want it to work, but how do you hands-on get that to actually happen? Experimentation, I guess. Was it a long process? Was it something that came to you pretty quickly? Well, I mean, it's still going on. So, yeah, I mean, the idea came to me pretty quick, and it kind of happens with me like that where it just something will pop into my mind or I'll, I'll get some you know, idea for an experiment or something, and it turns into something. I mean, that's how Echovox came about, was me goofing around in my bedroom at you know, 4.30 in the morning trying to talk to dead people, and uh, it ended up working, you know, so. Well, if you look to it at a lot of the, the things that you work on, I mean, we're not it's not just paranormal things that you have, uh, the apps coming out of Big Beard Studios. You have a lot of other things as well. Uh, is, that something, is this something you've been doing for a long time? Yeah, well, it started out with uh, um, doing expansion packs for an app uh, called Caustic. Uh, that's an audio, um, uh, it's like a, a sequence program for making music. And um, I just used uh, that as a platform to get some sounds out because I was just really into, it was kind of like a hobby, I guess. I was really into that software. I was using it to make music and stuff. And, and uh, so it just... And then I happened to have the idea to make Spirit Vox while well, that was already going, so I just kind of put it up. And when I put up Spirit Vox, it was just an idea, just a total experiment. It it cost like $2. It didn't do anything except for make noise, um, which was, you know, the basic idea. But you had to use another device to record on it. And um, the sound at that time was a pretty basic white noise. And um, But people started 
getting uh, hits through it, and 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 I hadn't even really experimented with it a lot until other people told me, well, you know, this happened, that happened, and I'm hearing their recordings, and that's when I started to go uh, and and use it out a lot, and uh, and that led me to you know down the path of making other stuff. So I assume then that the paranormal was something that you'd been doing for quite a while before you even created this app. Yeah, I mean, my whole life has been kind of uh, had it involved one way or another, and my um, I felt kind of sensitive, I guess, my whole life. But I didn't realize it when I was younger. I thought, I guess, I thought it was normal, and and then I um, now and at my age and dealing with everything. Uh, um, that I come across and in, in, in the field, it's I, I notice that I'm very sensitive, so it's always been that way. And so, are you able to communicate yourself in in other ways without having to use these apps? Do you do you seem to feel that you can make a connection without having to use a another device to be the intermediary? I think, I think it's certain ways. Yeah, I mean, I know that I can uh, definitely feel body sensations when. Certain types of energies near. I know that um, I've had pro- projections. I guess is the best way to things projected into my mind. It wasn't my. It happened to me at Penhurst, where it was like watching a movie, and it wasn't my imagination. It's it's hard to describe, but it was almost like dreaming while you're awake. And um, and in the last, I, I guess my whole life, I've been able to see th- see things, and I, it's weird to say that because. I don't mean I can see, you know, the ghost of a little girl standing there with a dress on and she's holding a teddy bear or something. I, I just see things like um, shapes or shadows or, or, or something, and they they occur. For example, they were around a lot last night, and last night was a very active night, a lot of people investigating and a lot of people out there using my stuff, and um, I kind of feel kind of a strange energy um bounce back when uh, from people using it so and i see i see what happens you know on, on your twitter on your facebook page people will be using them and they'll be sending you stuff that they're getting pretty much in real time because you have the ability on these devices to record on these apps to record and then they can just kind of quickly upload it to you so you're getting to see you know the real time field application of these pretty much uh, every night yeah and you know if you think about it it's probably the largest coordinated paranormal experiment that's ever happened right because if you look at all the other devices you never know you know uh, who's using what and there's there's a differentiation between them all you know some people use the tri-field emf some people use a you know a k2 whatever uh, they have all these different devices but if you get enough people running the same app at the same time you know have, have you had a lot of instances instances where people have actually had the same results happen in different locations at the same time um in a weird kind of way, yeah. Um, there is a thing that's been going on for quite some time, and it doesn't just involve Echovox. It's also come across on ghost boxes um, and in other means, but the name Bridget, and her name comes up all the time. And um, usually along with Bridget is evil and... Bridges a demon and whatever any of that means, I have no idea. But uh, it's come across from everywhere, all over the world, and uh, it's just one of those things. And then also, um, um, John Miller, who's a, a guy that's been I've been working with him for years. 
and he's been using Echovox since the day it was it was created or whatever, and he was one of the first people to actually use it. And him and I used to do Skype sessions back and forth where he'd be running it at his place and I'd be running it at mine. And we had a couple instances where they synced up and were making the exact same sounds at the exact same time and uh, saying uh, the same things, which is mathematically uh, absolutely beyond impossible. Right, so, yeah. yeah. And we also had Melmeters matching up, and you know, and he's in uh, Illinois, and I'm in New Hampshire. It's really weird. And we also had a couple other investigators at the time that were doing experiments with us, and we plotted everybody out on a map, and there's five points, and you put the five points together, and it's like from New Hampshire to Toronto to uh, Illinois, down, I can't remember the bottom two, but if you look at a map, it should make sense and come to me. It was a big pentagram. It was pretty wild. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I like about about it is that it's something that people can uh, utilize. It's relatively easy for anybody to get their hands on. It's not like you got to order it from a uh, you know from a Ghost Mart website or something like that. You know, it's something that everybody can get their hands on. They've already got the devices that they need to run it. Uh, but that also leads to the question that I'm sure a lot of people have of how can you take cell phones, tablets, things like this, and put them to use for paranormal uh, investigation without anything getting in the way? Without getting in the way, how so? Like, you know, like if I, I have an EMF app, for example, on my phone. Oh, you mean like interfering with? Yeah, and but, pe- but, but people are fundamentally skeptical, I think, more skeptical of something that's well, on their cell phone than they well, are of something that's in their hand. It's really silly because if you think about it, your iPhone or your Android is so space age and it's just wild that we all have these touchscreen supercomputers with cameras built into them and sensors and fingerprint scanners. They're in our pockets. And we don't have a more powerful piece of equipment on us. Like my Melmeter is just a really stupid computer mm-hmm. that only does two things, you know? And um, you get more sophisticated. You use something like a DMX meter or something and... Uh, even that is the guts of a cell phone put into an, a, a box. So your cell phone is a computer. It's, you know, a, a really fast computer with all sorts of sensors built into it. So we'd be kind of stupid not to use it. And uh, to to not interfere with other stuff as simple as putting it in airplane mode and it, mm-hmm. and and then you're only dealing with the tiny little bit of a magnetic fluctuation from the actual electronics in the phone. And the, that's not a big deal at all. Um, to be honest with you, I work all the time with my phone just on. I mean, I have a million Echovox sessions where you hear me getting text messages and Facebook <laughs> notifications, and it, it doesn't matter because that's not what I'm I'm after. Um, you know, I'm doing audio work, so it, I'm not totally worried about that. Um, if I'm working with other people, then obviously I'll be courteous and shut shut it into airplane mode. But um, no, I mean, there's no reason to be skeptical when you understand how it works. And Echovox is all based on real-time audio recording. It's, that's how it works. That's what it is. And um, it's a very simple concept. It's not. And then when you hear the thousands and thousands and thousands of sessions that are out there where people getting intelligent answers, different voices, different dialects, it's kind of beyond debatable if it works or not. You know, if you if you take the time to... To look, and if you somebody wants to sit there and say that everybody from say like 
TV's uh, uh, Factor Fakes, Bill Murphy, has been a huge supporter of mine since day one. He goes to seminars and just tells people all about it constantly on his events and demonstrates it, and I've always been so grateful to him. But you go from him down to even the investigator that just started two weeks ago and already heard something that blew his mind. They can't all be liars. They can't all be wrong. Like, there's really something to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we've had people who have come on some of our events first time out, and they're looking for just anything that they can do. So it's like, well, here, download the Spirit Vox, download the SV1. You'll be able to jump right into it uh, with that. And then it's it's funny because you'll see by the end of the night, a lot of people will start off by downloading that, and by the end of the night, they're starting to feel more comfortable. And before they leave, they're downloading Echo Vox, which you you know you can't really jump right into Echo Vox. No, and that's that's why Echo Vox is twenty dollars. You know, I mean, it's kind of, it's not priced so everybody will just impulse buy it. It's priced so, and I try to get it across that it's a serious tool. It's not, you know, in all honesty, it should cost 10 times what it does just so less people use it. Because I would be super filthy rich if it was $2.99 because millions and millions of people will probably download it fast. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the. It's a really highly pirated APK. Um, it's it's all over the internet. Uh, it's an old version because luckily I figured out how to make it so I have to. You have to download more uh, sounds now because I added a bank B. So anybody that downloads the illegal version, the the pirated version, you don't get bank B, and that's to me that's the guts of it. I don't even hardly use bank A anymore. I'm always in bank B. So. Yeah, the, the, the what what I found was the most interesting about it was somebody. All right, I'll, full disclosure. Let me just put this out there. I use the Ghost Speaker when we do our Legend Trips events. Mm-hmm. I, I will turn that on, and as much as I feel it's annoying, I have an Android. I can't download the iOvilus app that everybody's asking about uh, because Bill hasn't made one for for Android. So right. I download the Ghost Speaker, which I know is cheesy, uh, but also it, it works on the same concept. So I'll run that. And it doesn't take long before someone says, uh, you know, I'm pretty suspicious of this. These words can all be pre-programmed to come up at certain times. There's a reason why you hear axe, then murder, then kill, all three in a row, because it's programmed to do that. I'm like, all right, fine. And I'll pull out, you know, Echo Vox, and, and words will start to come through, and people will think, well, those words are pre-programmed. I'm like, well, if you think they're pre-programmed, hold on, let's not investigate anymore. Let's just run those those little bits of recorded voice and let them go and see how often you can pick out a word. Not an invest, you know, not an investigation setting. Just listen and tell me how often those words come up or how often any word comes up, and people will be amazed by that, by the fact that it is just a bunch of sounds until you start to utilize it in the right way, and that's when it starts to have things come through. So uh, anybody that's skeptical, it usually doesn't take too long before they start to change their mind. Yeah, true. I see that. Now, when you were creating the original Spirit Vox, you said that you wanted to make some improvements upon the way that the ghost boxes had been working. So what in particular did you do to make this different than the Frank's boxes that we've been seeing coming down the pike? Well, I mean, it's it's not radio-based right. whatsoever. It's just based on random noise. Um, and then now that it uh, has recording built in, it's based on the idea of, um, you know, a mixture of how you would use a ghost box and EVP recording. So the whole lot. And that's a big difference between uh, the SV-1 and the Echo Vox. And, and SV-1 is more of a um, hold it in your hand, make a lot of noise with it, 
um, talk to it, try to hear what you're hearing in the moment, um, and then go back and review for more of like traditional EVP mm-hmm. um, because it seems to very much enhance uh, the capture of EVP. Um, aside from actual voices coming through the, the noise itself, uh, a lot of times there's, you know, the whispers and all that kind of thing that we've become familiar with um, in the SV-1 recording. Whereas um, Echo Vox is, you know, looping in real time for you, um, creating that, that noise bed. So a lot of times you hear those whispers and, and those type of EVP in, in real time. And I'm sure that this has happened to you, but I've been doing some echo box sessions sometimes where I end up getting into an argument <laughs> with with the voices that are coming through. Uh, there's there, there was one place we were in Minnesota at the Mounds Theater, and there was a, a constant uh, female sound that kept coming through. And, and you, when you use the the echo box, you hear all these different little clips uh, of sound, but this female one kept popping up more often than not. And there was another spirit there that was trying to communicate with us. And we had, and finally I was like telling this female spirit, shut up, just stop. You know, I don't want to hear you come through. And, and uh, they- I've seen it many times. <laughs> I've seen it. I've had screaming matches pretty much with, uh, uh, I have the videos up on, on, on my YouTube. It's, it's, it's old, it's a couple of years old, but, um, uh, uh, we had a guy in my basement that was French and liked to swear at us a lot. And, uh, had it out with him a few times and I, I actually heard them argue with each other quite a bit as well because you know, a lot of times you, you could you could put echo box on and, and and leave the room and record it and and things are going to happen um they end up talking to each other which is the weirdest thing so well the the funniest part about it was this guy that was sitting next to me uh, and finally, after I started yelling at this female voice, I'm like, you, the female, stop, stop talking. I'm trying to talk to this other guy. You stop talking. And the guy looks at me. He goes, why do you think women are any different on the other side than they are here? <laughs> <laughs> now, that went over really well with all the women that were <laughs> present for the investigation. But uh, so you, yeah, you I have a lot of female followers. I'm afraid to laugh at that joke. <laughs> and they, I think they, they they'll let it pass because it was somebody else. That said it. So now the the idea with with the original Spirit Vox, the SV1, uh, was to to have the incorporation. Though you can have both the sound and the the white noise, and you've uh, improved upon that too with the Echo Vox. Do you find sometimes that you are investigating with just purely white noise or just purely the the speech sounds, or do you always try to have a mixture of both? Um, I don't. Uh, if I'm using Echo Vox, I generally spank. Uh, bank B, kind of slow, and um, uh, I do that often. Like uh, three channels slow and one three quarters of the way fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been I, I experiment with other stuff, um, like recording the Echovox session through um, a high gain uh, microphone preamp through a, like a higher end microphone, kind of similar to the ones you guys are talking through right now. Sure. Yep. Um, through like a, um, a, a analog uh, to digital converter uh, with the preamps, you know, just cranked uh, to get the noise floor up really high, and then run the Echovox, uh, you know, into that mic basically, and uh, that that's kind of achieved some pretty wild stuff so far. 
So when when you're listening to what's coming through on on the Echo Vox, and and as you mentioned, it all has uh, you can change the speeds up of it. So when people are pulling out their little uh, SP7 spirit boxes they ordered online, uh, the little you know it's basically a shack hack in a different body. When they're pulling that out and they're like, oh look, I can change the sweep rate. I'm like, yeah, well, look at this. On the Echo Vox, you can not only change, you know, how fast one channel goes, but you can change how fast each one of them goes. Right. But I think people, I think people are confused. There's no, there's no comparing Echo Vox to really anything else. I mean, you can't, you can't achieve the results that Echo Vox does without being digital. Um, so you can't do it without having a microprocessor. So you can't do it without having a computer. So you kind of need your phone. Um, you can't do it with transistors and tubes or, or anything. Um, it, it, it's based on, um, you know, digital recording. Um, and that's, that's the entire idea behind it. Um, so to compare one thing to the other is, it's, it's completely different because they don't, relate to one another at all um and then the results are i've i've never heard sentences come through a a frank's box you know i've never heard um really articulate speech come through um or um heavy breathing or um phantom tanks or any of the things that i've heard on uh, echo box so it's two totally different worlds so when you when you're first starting working on it then and you're first starting putting it together, I assume that you probably did a lot of um, home experimentation with it before you even brought it out to the field to make sure that you know everything was working, uh, you know, just technically correct. And then the first time that you actually applied it for paranormal investigation, I mean, what what was that like? That experience for Echovox? Yeah. Um, no, actually, actually, Echovox was started out as uh, I had SV1 first. Mm-hmm. And then I came out with a Spiraphone, which is a, just a real-time plug headphones in your phone. You could do real-time EVP. <laughs> so one night I had the bright idea, for whatever reason, um, of, oh, gee, I wonder what happens if I don't plug headphones into my phone, if I use this, my little speaker here um, while the recording's going. And it created this insane in noise um, and I was at the time running um, an alternate version of SV1, uh, which actually went on to become Spirit Voice, that went on to became become the the noise bed for Echo Vox. Um, but I ran them together through this echo noise and heard the craziest sounds that I'd ever heard up to that time. And I started talking to it, and it started answering me back. Now, the crazy thing is, is if you really want to hear the creation of Echovox, the entire file is up on my SoundCloud. So you go to soundcloud.com forward slash spiritbox. There's a recording called, it's like 4.30 a.m. open echo, open feedback experiment or something like that. It says 4.30 a.m. And uh, that's actually the first Echovox recording. And when you listen to it, there's uh, intelligent replies all over it and... At one point, there's a really disturbing, mean growl. Um, so that's how Echovox came to be. It wasn't through me having an idea and going out. and uh, It was just a moment experiment. Just, hey, I wonder what happens if, and, you know, five minutes later it existed. So, 
Have you found that you have a lot of people who are, um, you know, Frank's box converts who come over to use this and and decide that just like you, you know, they need to eliminate the radio wave possibility and, and the interference that it brings? Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people. Echo Box is addictive. I mean, so let's just admit it. Everybody that uses it knows that. It's, you go out, it's, you go on an investigation. It's like I've seen it happen so many times. Like everybody just can't wait to do Echo Box because it's. You know, it's exciting and it's fun and it's not quite as, you know, dull as, you know, some other things, aspects of a, of an investigation that we do. Um, but, um, I know a lot of people that have threw away their, their sold their ghost boxes, but we, you know, we ev- get- everything has, everything has its, its place. I mean, at Penhurst, we were running, uh, ghost box noise through the Echo Box Echo, you know, so. I think part of uh, part of the reason why Frank's box is, is starting to fall by the wayside a little bit too is I think people are looking at Frank and they're <laughs> I think well, Frank Frank hates me. I just had it out with Facebook <laughs> I, with him the other day. I've seen that many times. Yeah, Frank hates me. Whatever. I mean, I don't have any hate. I whatever. I don't know what his problem is, but you know, he's a he's a little bit of a strange eccentric guy. So and. I, I wouldn't use the boxes just because they look ridiculous, and I could never take myself seriously using one. But that's that's as far as I go with that. You know, I'm not going to bash anybody's work. Sure, right. But I think a lot as, as he's been against paranormal investigators using his boxes because he is. I mean, that's no secret out there to anybody that that knows anything about Frank. Uh, he thinks that we are all a bunch of fools running around in the dark using his devices to talk to ghosts because he's getting you know, warnings of doom and gloom from extraterrestrials. And that's what we're supposed to be paying heed to. So, uh, you know, he's our, I think because he feels that way toward people using them, a lot of people have said, well, okay, well then I'm going to move on from this and move to something else. Uh, and, and audio being probably the, at least in my eyes, uh, it, it's something that people can jump into the paranormal world and get involved with relatively quickly. Photography, it's it's such a crapshoot because there's so many different things that can be mistaken. Audio people at least seem to have a general heads up of what's around them, and they can figure out pretty quickly whether they're getting a false positive. Well, it's a lot harder to fake audio evidence than it is to fake photograph- uh, photographic evidence. It really is. To do it convincingly and, and everything else, it's, it's really tough. And it seems too like uh, the the more the uh, people get involved with it and they they fine tune their ears to be able to hear it, the more that becomes kind of their go to starting point for any investigation. At first, it sounds like noise, but if you know what you're doing and you're able to to really tune in and figure it out, uh, you it's a good way to really jump off an investigation is to try and get that communication going so that you know that there's something there that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Yes, certainly. Uh, one question I've always had for you about the Spearphone, this is probably your personal choice or what you feel works best compared to what other people think, but uh, I've always noticed that with the Spearphone, which, as you said, allows for real-time EVP recording, you like to have that be something that works on virtually no delay, whereas some people would rather have a, a, a good delay or at least a considerable delay of three, maybe even five seconds. Uh, how, what, what are your thoughts and feelings on whether or not you need a delay in real-time EVP recording? Um, well, when it first came out, it wasn't in there at all, and it was actually Rob Damaris that asked me to put that in because he was going, uh, where the hell was he going, to film a show in, um, I think, Malaysia or something, and he was going to use my stuff, and he really wanted to use Spearphone. He said, gee, it really needs to have, a, I like to run at like a five or a ten second delay, so I have time to 
you know, really listen. Um, myself, personally, if I'm doing, like, headphones in and, um, like, real-time, I, I would do it with no delay just because I end up uh, concentrating better, I guess, if I, I have to be on my toes and, mm-hmm. and really listen when I finish. Because otherwise, five seconds, I terrible ADD and five seconds is a long time to me and I'll go, oh, a squirrel and uh, not even listen to my own, uh, you know, question and, and answer. So uh, for me, it's better to just do it in the moment and pay attention to it. And I kind of go into a zone anyway, like I would if I was playing music or something and I'm really concentrating on what I'm hearing in my headphones. So. And it's funny because I see people go to our, our events and they pull out a $400 real-time EVP recorder. And you see people that are, are never seen this before and see what they're doing and are jealous, like, oh, you know, I, I got to get one of those. I got to get one of those. They say, well, listen, open up the App Store. And for two bucks. For $1.99, you can have the same functionality. Yeah, it's two bucks. And I just don't understand either why people are hesitant to jump into the, you know, the app-based investigation. I, I don't understand it because I'd rather carry around my tablet than 45 other different things. Yeah, and I mean, it's good. It's going to fall by the wayside anyway as far as the stigma of, of, you know, using an app because just so many people. I mean, the whole idea of, like, say, Spearphone being $1.99 is it's obviously, you know, i got to make a living, but I want people to be able to put, you know, on their phone, and everybody doesn't have to be an armchair investigator. They can actually go, well... I'm not doing anything tonight, and there's a graveyard down the road, and I need to exercise and walk anyway, so I'm going to go stroll around the graveyard and run my spear phone or whatever it is and and see what happens. And it gets people out, and it gets people interested. Um, I've had people tell me it's brought them and their kids closer together because they, you know, will do this with their teenage kids. And um, a really good friend of mine uh, really helped patch up him and his daughter's relationship when she was going through her, you know, early teenage years. Um, they weren't getting along, and their one middle ground was going to the graveyard and running spirit box. So, um, you know, it just makes it so everybody can go out and use something that's, you know, trustworthy and, and is not, you know, something that goes radar or something like that that people just kind of scoff at. It's, you know, there's people seriously using it, um, you know, if they want to look at it for somebody they can, you know, look up to that would be a quote-unquote professional or, you know, Paris celeb or whatever. There's there's plenty of them out there with, you know, uh, great reputations that use it and swear by it so they can feel confident that they're using the same stuff that, you know, the guy on TV used or whatever and they know how to use it and didn't cost them an arm and a leg. And when they're done with it, they still have their phone in their pocket to check their facebook or whatever you know and and these device uh, these apps they don't really drain a lot of your battery either i mean i i run i fully charge my tablet before i go on an investigation and you know aside from spirit activity maybe draining some of the battery but i'll, I'll run oh yeah they should run forever i mean they should really run there's nothing in there that drains them a funny story we ran uh echovox at houghton manor um in the big um uh, uh, Masonic Temple. My favorite and, place to investigate. I love that yeah, place. Yeah, isn't it great? I love that place so much. And um, we were there running it, and it was just this, like, three, four-hour-long Echo Box session where I just left my phone and speaker. I went off and did other stuff, and people came and went into the room, and, uh, uh, you know, different people joined the session. But this phone was on, like, 
8% battery when I left it. And three hours later, it was deep in the, all it had was a red line. And the thing wouldn't die. It wouldn't stop. It wouldn't die. And the spirits kept saying stuff like, you know, energy and batteries and just weird stuff that had to do with it. And the phone never died. I ended up shutting it off at the end of the night. It's weird, too, that you mentioned using it at the Houghton Mansion because the first place I ever used Echovox uh, was at the Houghton Mansion. Oh, awesome. Last year yeah, we were in they, Mary's room. They know how to use it. They're They're aware. And and it was just an incredible night full of activity, and I had these apps with me uh, the entire time. One of the things that I, I find the most interesting about it too is that when you when you utilize it, you know it's it looks like it, it has a very visual appeal to it. They all do, whether it be the old timey look of of the Spiraphone or the SV1 or some of these other devices, or whether it be kind of the futuristic look of the Echovox. There's there's also something to focus on too while you're hearing these things. So I was a graphic designer for a lot of years. <laughs> so I like doing that kind of stuff, you know, and that was kind of the, the most, besides making the noises, making the graphics is my favorite part and the most fun. But I think that that also is part of the reason why, and this is, this is the dirty little secret, I think, of why a lot of folks are, are not jumping on the app bandwagon when it comes to investigating. Because if you talk to any of the TV people, the producers who put together these paranormal reality shows, they don't want to see you using your tablet. They don't want to yeah, see you using your phone. You know your what they love, and I've learned this, is uh, the camera guys and the crews love EchoVox. Absolutely love it. They love the fact that results come out of it, and they've always got something to film, and they love the spinning wheel. It, right. it, it happened down in New Orleans. My buddy Chris was using it down there at the Hustler Club, of all places, in a room full of strippers. Nice. And uh, and they said, you know, where are we? And uh, it, it answered perfectly the name of the hotel and uh, said it was haunted and everything. And the, and the crew was flipping out. They were like, we want more of that. You know, let's keep running that and keep the camera on that. And, uh, and the strippers uh, seemed to be all freaked out and everything, too. So um, I've heard of that a few times where it just, you know, they, they absolutely love filming it. And uh, uh, Rob Damaris always tells me he's used it on a few shows, and um, he's he's always telling me that crews really enjoy having that around. It's never a dull moment, you know, so... In it, that respect, it's good. And any time you can investigate a strip club, you know you're doing well. That's, I guess it depends. Yeah, no, it's 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 because it's <laughs> such a it's such a hard place to get into. You know, uh, they're they're very locked down with a lot. Because I know two haunted strip clubs, and yeah. they talk about it, but they don't want any kind of investigation of it. Well, because, what this was was um, the Hustler Club. Uh, the Hustler has a reality um, something. He's doing it on their website or a cable channel or something. And they were, it's uh, they follow the girls around as they tour. It's kind of a reality show behind the scenes. So uh, Chris uh, Melancon from uh, um, uh, NOLA um, was down there, um, Paranormal Society in New Orleans, and uh, a couple other guys. I think Kevin Betzer was there from uh, Deep South Paranormal, and uh, they just went there and. You know, they got a call like, hey, we're here filming. We want you guys. It's a haunted, you know, a fa famous haunted hotel in New Orleans. So they figured they'd get a, some paranormal investigators to come out for that episode of the show. So that's how it ended up being used on Hustler TV. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good stuff. Now, what is your personal favorite place that you've used uh, Echo Vox or Spirit Vox or any of your... Penhurst. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Penhurst. Um, I've had... 
I love Valley Street Cemetery in Manchester. Um, I have a lot of great recordings and results there, but Penhurst is, was insane. Um, anybody, if you go to uh, YouTube.com and just search uh, Big Beard Audio, you can find my YouTube channel. Just search under channels, Big Beard Audio. And um, the, some of the more recent videos, there's a few there from Penhurst. Look for the one that says uh, uh, Echo Vox versus Penhurst Electrocute. And uh, that should do it right there. It's it's insane. It's just absolutely I'd say where, you know, whose office is this? And you hear a voice, clear as day. You guys know Echovox. So a clear as day, you hear a voice say, Penhurst. And then they start telling me there's a bad man and he hurts them. And uh, it ends with a voice that clear as day says, electrocute. And uh, wow. pe- people got shocked right there, electrocuted well, all the time. I, so I know that sometimes else. with the clips that you get, words come through that aren't exactly able to be played over radio. That electrocute clip, everything should be clean for air? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, there's nothing bad in that. Yeah. All right, well, give me one second, and we'll run that right now. I just oh, gotta... great. Awesome. I have like 45 oh. different things running on my screen, but hang on. We'll run that. Here we go. Whose office was this? That is pretty incredible. That was uh, the guys from Generic Black Shirt Paranormal. Oh, yeah, yeah. Were in the room with me. Uh, um, Mike and uh, um, Flip was in the room. And um, they'd never even heard Echo Box before. And I couldn't believe it. I mean, you listen to that recording. Anybody wants to listen to that, put some headphones on and you'll really hear. You know, we ask a question. There's not one voice saying yes. There's a few. And there's a few saying bad man. And they answer immediately when you ask a question they're right there and there's two other recordings there one of them's 30 minutes long uh in a basement we sing itsy bitsy spider with them uh it gets it was just insane we caught a light anomaly uh, my friend greg caught uh this light shoot from behind me and fly out the door and just as it flew out the door there was a periscope on the floor and the periscope lights up and follows it as it goes by it's just absolutely incredible night we were freezing it was like 13 degrees in there or something and it just didn't even matter it was really something i made it till about 1 a.m and that was all i could do i had to leave i, I couldn't take it anymore now moniz have you been to penhurst because i know our friend melissa does a lot of work i was there. gonna say yeah my friend melissa daniels uh works down there i yeah i know I went melissa. By, yeah she's a really nice girl um, it's one of the places she took me by the, when I was down hanging with her down there. There were so many places in Pennsylvania she wanted to drag me to. Oh, so, yeah. so Melissa was actually in the hallway when that recording was happening. <laughs> nice. Right around the corner from that. Uh, she just had a recent experience in there where, where they called her name and they got it on audio to, nice. uh, uh, we're talking audible mm-hmm. voice, not just EVP that, you know, to the point oh, she I turned around. You hear them when you're in that. I recommend anybody that can go, go. I mean, 
I feel almost it's kind of a double-edged sword for me because I kind of feel bad for the souls there that are having people come in and constantly talking to them, and I don't know if anybody's actually doing anything to help them. Um, I, I tried a little bit, but I was overwhelmed by the end of the night. I, I, I'd never been so disgusted and appalled and from the things that we're hearing. I mean, the, my last session there, I can't even post on, on YouTube. It's too graphic. It's too personal. And, and everybody that was in the room was just our jaws were on the floor. That was it. Most of us were in tears and hugging each other and <laughs> carrying each other out of the building, basically. That's how bad it was. And a woman got followed home because for some reason she decided that she wanted to tell the spirit of the little boy that we were talking to that she he could come home with her because oh, she had boy. kids, too. And, you know, he did. So she didn't really have a good time with that. And she is no longer paranormal investigating because of that. So. Yeah, it's a, it is pretty tough when that happens. Uh, we, I know somebody who came to uh, a couple of our Legend Trips events and actually did end up getting plagued by something uh, mm-hmm. for a while. So luckily they were able to take care of it, but it, it can happen, especially if you're not careful. Happens to me all the time. Now, do you do any kind of, uh, you know, we were just talking about this at Lizzie Borden's last weekend. Do you do any kind of protection on yourself? I... I do to a certain extent where I have two charms that I wear around my neck and uh, I, not that the charms themselves mean anything, but I, I hold them in my hand a lot, you know, and kind of charge them myself. So I kind of focus on them a little bit and say a little something to myself. But honestly, um, I feel like I'm probably one of the most spiritually well-protected people on the planet just because of my giant worldwide family of supporters that constantly support me and pray for me and help me out in like my personal life and and spiritually and investigating and everything so i've had so many people that that genuinely i feel like they they really love me and respect me and send this positive energy towards me that i'm not really afraid of of anything see that's why i tell people all the time you know if, if you feel like something can follow you and, and it's a possibility then do whatever you need to do to make yourself feel better I don't yeah. tell them that I think if you really if someone really wants to follow you it's going to do it anyway you know yeah, I, exactly. I, I don't tell them that I let them feel a little bit better about whatever uh, they protection come and go. I mean they, they come and they go and they, and in, in my life they, they come and go very often and it's to the point where it's you gotta be nonchalant about it well, I've noticed from some of your uh, some of your clips that you put online that you know you have to use your, your apps in your own home and you have to try to make uh, connections with spirits in your own home all the time. It, was that oh. something that came about because you were experimenting uh, with the apps and things came through, or are there other signs that there's a haunting going on? Well, it's like that's also tough for me too because you know coincidentally everywhere i've lived has had activity for the last couple of years oh i don't think it's a coincidence exactly so it doesn't really matter where i am it seems um but i i live uh, with my girlfriend now in her house and um she's had the heebie-jeebies here a couple times and uh, the first time i was ever here i was kind of like oh you know you have a spirit in your house because <laughs> i just kind of sense it i'm like yes yeah, it feels like it hangs out upstairs and the stairs whatever and, uh, but it turns out there's something that likes to hang out in the kitchen and uh well doesn't really seem to come in the bedroom uh, a, a whole lot but I've, I've seen a couple of weird things and uh definitely the echo Vox sessions i haven't put any out yet from here um but the echo Vox i've been running here has been, been pretty wild so um 
that those I'm gonna probably put some of those out in the, in the next in the near future. But those have been pretty wild. So I run it at home. I don't recommend to other people that don't know what they're doing to run it at home, just because you're opening yourself up to to who knows what. But I mean, if there is something at your house, it's a good way to to figure out what and who and why. Sure, and it's a way to uh, at least let them know that you're willing to communicate and that you're willing to accept that they're there. Yeah, if you are. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah, you never know who you're opening yourself up to. I mean, well, I, I think that uh, we have something here that's a bit a bit too fixated on Jen to the point where it kind of make her a little uncomfortable here and there, and that's something that we got to work on, you know. And it's also her because she doesn't come from this kind of type of background. So she doesn't know anything about you know, protecting herself from, you know, an entity or whatever it is, you know, so. What uh, was her reaction the first time she heard something out of the Echo Box? Absolutely speechless um, because uh, the weird thing is, is you guys will hear it when I do put it up. It says her name at least like 200 times. Oh. It, it just keeps saying Jen, 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 Jen. So many times. I've never heard it say a name so many times. And it was also answering other stuff, too. I'm like, well, I was cooking Chinese food in the kitchen. I'm like, what am I cooking on the stove? And it said noodles. And it's just on and on, a whole bunch of stuff. What did we eat last night? Brownies, and which we did. And um, it, was, it was a really good, solid session with a lot of intelligent replies, but something just saying her name so many times. And then we went on an investigation a few nights later. Um, which was actually her first investigation, and we heard her name a bunch of times there too. So, it's one of those things leaves you scratching your head. Now, uh, are you working on anything new coming down the pike, or um, a bank C uh, for Echovox? Another, which is actually pretty much done, but it's uh, it's too many sounds and it's really killing phones that it's running on, like um, you know, making making the app crash. So, I got to sort the sounds out a little bit. Um, Spirit Box uh, SV1 is gonna when you launch it, uh, you'll be able to choose to run version two or version three. So it'll be like two apps in one because a lot of people miss version two. Um, so I'm gonna put them together in one app, um, and then some other stuff. <laughs> well, what's funny is uh, I'm gonna ask this question when we only have uh, about four minutes left in the show, but uh, we we didn't really cover the idea of how Echo Vox actually works. What what it's doing when you turn it on? Okay, well. You have the start and the echo button, right, the guts of it. And when you press start, you're not doing a recording or anything. You're just starting the playback on A, B, C, and D channels, um, and they play at whatever speed you set them at. So that's, you know, part A of Echo Box. That's one half of it, just random noises being blended in, in a circle. Just little basically. bits of phonetic speech. Yep, just little bits of noises and, and speech just chopped up. And whether it's bank A or bank B, it's just noise. And uh, that's, you know, one half of it. The other half is when you press the echo button. And when you press the echo button, it's not an effect. It's not like a guitar pedal, you know, like Jimi Hendrix would use or something. You press on it and it changes the sound of the guitar. It's actually just a record button uh, that starts a real-time recording, like the guts of Spiraphone, basically. Um, so, uh, but the difference is, is that recording is spit out into the air, which is then picked up by the microphone. It's then spit out by the speaker. That's then picked up by the microphone and so on and so forth, and it creates uh, an echo. Every time it comes out of the speaker, it's a little bit quieter. Every time it goes into the mic, it's a little quieter, so on and so forth. So it creates an, an echo effect. 
But as you said, you know, it's not something for the beginner to just jump right into. It definitely takes uh, some knowledge, some experience with uh, with communication in this way, and then. On top of that, it also takes some practice too. You gotta find what works for you. You can't just turn it on and expect to get results. You gotta tweak it and make it work yep. with your and energy use, as well. Yeah, and use the users. I mean, if you go on Facebook and search, uh, Echovox users in groups, so we have a great, uh, Echovox user group on Facebook, a couple hundred members. And people post stuff every day from all over the world and answer questions before I can even get to them. So that's a great place to start. And I was going to say, too, I don't know any app developer out there that's as uh, approachable and easy to get in touch with as you. I remember when I first started researching this, you answered all of my annoying questions uh, right away. So it's great that, you know, you're not like the uh, the Flappy Bird guy and you've gone into well, I try to be accessible. I really do. I, I try my best. I'm not perfect, but I, I definitely try as hard as I can to get back to everybody and, and support my work as best I can. And so if anybody wants to get any of the Big Beard Studios apps, you can get them from the App Store uh, for whatever device that you use. And do you also have a, a central website as well? Um, I have a blog, uh, spiritvox.bigbeardaudio.com. So people can check you out there. And, of course, they can follow you on Facebook at SpiritVoxApp. Uh, Twitter would be at SpiritVoxApp. Yep. Thank you, uh, <laughs> thank you for correcting me there. Yeah, no worries. You can find everything through my blog. There should be links to the YouTube channels and SoundCloud, and there's some other articles to to read there. I have some theories that I've typed up there, and some good reads. Awesome. We'll definitely keep us up to date with things uh, as they progress, and and we'll keep watching the YouTube channel and checking out the SoundCloud clips as well. And don't yeah. forget to have us uh, beta test stuff for you too. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you guys aren't that far away, so if you ever uh, want to have me along for an event or something, just let me know. Yeah, we'll not, definitely not hook far up. from you. We'll definitely hook up somewhere down the line. I want to get you and Lizzie Borden's in the wintertime when yeah. it's closed and it's just us. Yeah, that sounds really good. <laughs> then, we can, then we can run this stuff right, that's for sure. Yeah. Sounds good. All right, well, thank you so much for joining us, and we will thank talk you. to you soon. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Take care. That is Danny Big Beard Roberge. Check out all of his apps, Spirit Vox, Echo Vox, everything. It's all up there wherever you buy your apps. And uh, I'm sure that people are downloading them right now. Uh, if you're a dad and you're a paranormal investigator, hey, why not tell you, your kids or your wife or whoever that you want, uh, you know, you want a little bit of a app store credit for Father's Day. Get some of these devices. I can tell you that, uh, you know, when I use Echo Vox on Legend Trips events, it's Always a hit. I mean, there's always something that goes on. And as you heard from that clip that we played from Penhurst, uh, when it comes out, it sounds incredible. So that does it for this week's show. We'll be back next week. Don't know if I'll be here or not, but there'll be a program. And I think that we're going to be doing pretty well for the rest of the summer. I, I know that we have July 12th will be the Murdoch-Whitney House in Winchenden, so there won't be a show then. We always say we're going to record a show, but maybe we actually will. And also, uh, we have... Edaville, USA, our Legend Trips event there will be taking place on August 30th. So if you want to get tickets to that, they are on sale now. You can get them from legendtrips.com and really get them before they're gone because I think this one's going to go pretty quick. I think people just like trains. Mm. <laughs> that's that's part of it. And, and we've never really had the chance to investigate a place where there's trains and train memorabilia and cranberry memorabilia, so many things from Edaville's past right around there, and uh, I can't wait to get in there. So uh, we actually might go and do a little bit of a pre-event investigation. I haven't decided. I don't know if I want to get in there first and, and try and see what happens or if I want to just leave it as virgin territory for the event. But we'll figure all that out and uh, we'll let you know 
as we go forward, all the new hotel deals and everything else. So until next week, we want you all to stay spooktacular.